Welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Ned Kelly's Last Stand has been playing live jazz every night in Ashley Road in Chim Sa Choi for the past 43 years. The Victoria Jazz Band has been around for 40 years and plays swing numbers every first Wednesday of the month at Grappa's Cellar in Central. They both hosted a very special musical couple in recent weeks. The legendary American clarinetist and tenor sax player Bob Wilbur and his partner, singer Pug Horton. Born in 1928, Bob Wilbur was a famous student of clarinetist and band leader Sidney Bechet. He'd go on to lead many bands himself and has played with Benny Goodman, Louis Armstrong, Jack Teagarden and, in more recent years, Wynton Marsalis. He wrote the score for the film The Cotton Club. After 72 years in the business, Bob Wilbur is taking it a little easier Pug began by explaining to me how, as well as continuing her love of singing and the stage, she's also been asked to teach. First of all, let me just explain to you, um, Bobby is sort of tapering off his career. It's been lasted 72 years and he made his first recordings in 1946 and he was recording as recently as four or five months ago. And so it's pretty long career, 72 years. And we decided it was time to maybe, you know, throw in the towel and still do some things like we have wonderful jam sessions. Like Colin came to one of our jam sessions at our house in we live in a 13th century town in England called Chipping Camden. And I said to Bob, you know, we're tired. We love traveling. We've got seven grandchildren, but I think enough's enough. So we kind of tapered off with the work. And someone I know, we have an academy now in our, in, is it Chipping Camden High School is as old as Eton. They have a wonderful dance program. And, and after watching me perform on a couple of occasions, the professor of the dance department said, Pug, would you come over? and do some work with us. Should I pay you, you know, give a part-time job? I said, well, doing what? She says, stage presentation. I thought, how can you teach stage presentation? You know, I mean, all you do is you get out on there and do it. She said, you've seen their faces? These little girls come out, beautiful dancers, darling. But faces like blah, you know, I mean, not an eyelash moves. So that's what I'm going to do. You know... I, I just don't think that I have ever felt as comfortable anywhere as I do on stage. Come along, get ready, wear your brand, brand new gown. For there's gonna be a party in this good, good old town. Where you know everybody and they all know you. And you wear that rabbit's foot to keep away that voodoo. How did you meet Bobby? I wrote to Bob when I was 15 years old. I used to take a magazine, a newspaper called Melody Maker from England, all right? And I read about this young man who was a student of Sidney Bechet. I was 15. He was 18. And, um, and I thought, oh, you know, I hate to say this, but I think my father could have been 
Well, we're not, we're not used to seeing people of colour, you see, in, in Sheffield, where I was gr- growing up. I didn't think my father would particularly take to me bringing Sidney Bechet home. I don't know why. But, but I'm saying that to you on radio because people have to understand how things have changed, thank God, for the better. Um, and, but I saw that he has a student who is a rich kid from an area of New York State, which was very affluent. I thought, that is for me. <laughs> so I wrote him a letter. I was 15, and I said, could you get me some autographs of some of these musicians that she I know? She didn't know where to send it, but she knew that the Commodore Music Shop, right across the street from Grand Central Station, was the jazz store in New York City. She sent it there. A few days later, I was in the shop, and they said, hey, Wilbur, you got a letter here. I think it's from England. And it's from her. What was your first impression? Well, I, I read it, and then I stuck, stuck it in my pocket, and I went back to listening to records. You know, I never, I never even answered it. I, mean, I was terrible. But I didn't give up. We have been together more than 40 years now, and I said to him, gets very weepy at this point, uh, I have never been bored in that all that time. We have had so much fun. And I knew right from the time I was 15 that I would have a lot in common with him. It's, it's, it's an unusual story. We, the band from Ned Kelly's, play shows on board the cruise ships that come in. This was 2006. We were about to play a deck party. I was approached by Pug. She said, oh, she says, um, we've been listening. Um, my husband's a musician. And I thought to myself, how many times do we hear this at Ned Kelly's, you know? But then I said, well, what's his name? Bob Wilbur. I nearly fainted. Because mm-hmm. I had first seen Bob performing with the world's greatest jazz band and around 1970, 72, somewhere around there. At Newcastle City Hall. You were, what, seven or eight years old? Uh, a bit old. I was about 15, 14, somewhere around there. Mm. I thought, how amazing. I just couldn't believe it. So I had to ask her again, who's your husband? She said, Bob. <laughs> and Bob was there listening. And she, she Bob said to me, do you mind if he sits away? Mind? I said, he can't take over, mind. <laughs> so, so that was it. And he stayed and did two fantastic sets with us on board the ship. And then later in 2008, they came back to Hong Kong. They played again. They were here a bit longer then, two or three days. And they played uh, a very nice night for us at Ned Kelly's in 2008. And then I had an invite from both of these lovely people. Jeannie and I and my nephew went to stay with them in Chipping Camden. And they organised a jam session in their front room. And there's this, can you imagine, there's this Grammy sitting there, all these wonderful pictures, and there's me sitting there, terrified to death to have to play at this jam session, you know. But it was wonderful. So um, going right back, um, yeah. tell me about Sidney Bechet when you first met him. And uh, what were you a kind of apprentice? Yes, I was. He was, uh, I got a call from a mutual friend, Mez Mesro, the clarinet player, saying... Uh, uh, you know, Sydney's starting a school of music at his home, home in Brooklyn. And, and I said, Oh, I, would you, would you arrange for an, uh, uh, an interview with him? And I was his very, his very first student. 
and I became famous as being a student of Sidney Bechet, who was one of the great geniuses of, of, of the early jazz era. What made him a genius in your view? He was just an, a totally original player of the clarinet and later on the soprano saxophone. And he he sounded on his, both of his instruments as good as anybody who ever played them in jazz. He was one of the great giants of jazz. He played a trumpet lead on every instrument, on, on clarinet and on soprano, and I can understand why he probably would not get along very well with many trumpet players, because he was he was so defiant. He was really, he was intent on playing the lead, and I think that was what was so different about Sidney. He was, he was a fighter. He came soaring out. He was like, you know, don't try and hold me back, you know. Don't you think so, Bobby? I do, but, you know, the very first records I ever heard Sidney Bechet were made around 1939-1940 and they had a young trumpet player named Charlie Shavers and and the, the and the way that Charlie Shavers and Sidney Bechet played together not not fighting each other but sharing sharing the lead and the perfect combination I said His recording career went back to the early 20s when he, he recorded the, f the first great jazz records with his childhood buddy in New Orleans, uh, Louis Armstrong. Now, your father used to bring home, were the early jazz records? Is that where you first got the passion yeah, for it? He, he bought home uh, Duke Ellington's record of Mood Indigo when maybe I was three years old. And I was fascinated with the sound of that record and this banjo and a marvelous low-register clarinet. And so that started on my love of jazz. Musicians just as yourself is that you're you're now 87. Yeah. How do you maintain your embouchure for the read? Because it's quite tough. Practice, practice every day. Yeah, you got to do it. At this age, you either start to get worse or or, or you keep, keep trying to get better. I'm trying to get better all the time. Now you worked obviously had a long collaboration with Sidney Bechet. Another great was Jack Teagarden. Jack Teagarden, I work with. with to me, the the greatest trombone player that ever played jazz, and I worked with so many of the great musicians of the early era, like Bechet, but also the great musicians of the swing era when I was growing up, and and also some of the more modern musicians. And I'm always looking for fresh talent, and, and I, I still love to listen to jazz, love to play it. And as Louis Armstrong once said. You know, if I Lewis said, if I didn't have my manager, Joe Glazer, I'd do this for nothing. 
Well, that's how I am. But basically, I mean, um, in 2009, uh, Wynton Marsalis gave us three nights at Rose Hall, which uh, seats 1,800 people, and we filled it doing the music of Benny Goodman. And as Benny Goodman was very, very uh, cheap when it came to giving comments about other clarinet players, but he did say in The New Yorker, Bob Wilbur is a superb clarinetist, and that was amazing for Benny. Bob worked with Benny and got along very well with Benny, and they used to play classical duets together at home. I don't think, when we look back on Bob's career, you think of all the people he's played with, from Mez Mesro to Baby Dodds to Pops Foster to P Tommy Benford, who played with Jelly Roll Morton, and then, you know, uh, Billy Butterfield and Yank Lawson and Ralph Sutton, Vic Dickinson, Gus Johnson, you know, George Ween. I mean, I just can't think of anyone in jazz that Bob is not. Dick Hyman, Milt Hinton... George de Vivier, you name it. I mean, Bob's career has encompassed all these musicians, and the reason they asked him to be on their recordings is because he's good. He's the best. I mean, to me, uh, there's nobody ever sounded like Sidney Bechet on soprano, but Bob has a sound that touches your heart because it's his soul that he's putting into it. And name me a couple of tracks where it really does go like that. Cotton Club Stomp and A Mean to Me. I would have just played a new recording that we did, which just came out from 1978. My God, we were at the top of our form then, I think, darling. And, and not to say that we've not been doing nice things since, but, um, yeah, Mean to Me. It must be great fun to be mean to me. And honey, it seems to me you long to see. So many things. Um, I think Bob's Penny Rag, Bob's stuff that he did with Kenny Deverne, Song of Songs, which was a song that Bob learned from Sidney Bechet. And Kenny and Bob recorded it. And it is so melodramatic. It's a First World War song. And it touches you, doesn't it? <laughs> When I first heard Sidney Bechet play Song of Songs, it was on a, like a Wednesday night at Jimmy Ryan's where he was featured on 52nd Street. And there was nobody in the club, just the bartender and the girl at the checkout counter and, and, and my band. 
we were all all young guys listening to this great Sidney Bechet. Sidney is he and the piano player were remembering old tunes that they 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 had never played for years, and so at that one point Sidney got up from his chair and started playing. Da 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 da, la da 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 da. several decades part of the sort of big band era was it quite challenging to be a band leader well i was first of all i played with uh, benny goodman's band and at that time benny wasn't working steadily as a band leader but he would put together a band so he had many young musicians in this band it was in in the 50s i came along to what was essentially an audition and he heard me play, and he asked me to join the band on tenor saxophone. But, but when I grew up, I, I played the clarinet. First of all, and Benny Goodman was my idol. He was, and to this day, he's one of the great clarinet players that ever, ever played jazz. So I would be, to be asked to play and lead a band of playing the music of Benny Goodman was quite an honor. You're superbly talented, but um, for me, when you hear some of Benny Goodman's when they really go fast. If you start to think, then you're going to run into problems. Something in my brain tells me to play, and I play, and I don't even think about what I'm playing. When you asked about Bob being a band leader, he didn't allude to the fact that when he had his first band, when he was 17, which was called the Wildcats, and I once asked his piano player, why was Bob appointed the leader? He said, because he was a natural, and Bob has always been the leader. He leads our bands, he led the Bechet legacy, all the things, except with the world's greatest jazz band. They were it was like a co-op band in a way. For the most part, Bob has always been a leader. From the time he was 17, he was organizing the music with all those old guys that he had when he came back from Nice in 1948, and with Baby Dodds and all those you old players. And they listened to him, which I think is amazing. From Nice. Bob went to Nice at the very first World Jazz Festival in place of Sidney Bechet in 1948. He took the place of Sidney Bechet because Sidney couldn't get out and Sidney recommended they take Bobby in his place. But Bob was on a program with um, Louis Armstrong, Jack Teagarden, Sammy Price, Baby Dodds, uh, all of these great old musicians. And uh, and Bob takes a solo, which would have your hackles rising. I mean, it's amazing. And I think to myself, how could an 18-year-old feel so confident with Mes Mesro, who was, you know, I mean, they were all old players and so on. And must have thought, who's this kid, you know? In the morning when we're waking up, we're having our coffee, and I'm thinking, oh, how lovely is this? We're here, we live in this 13th century town, everything's wonderful, we have marvellous family, wonderful friends. 
Oh, boy, are we lucky. What are you thinking about, Bob? And Bob will say, you know, if Gershwin would have realized when he was writing that chorus, <laughs> end of story, <laughs> you know, that's where Bob is, you know. I mean, I think that everything translates itself into music and it's beauty, you know. It's lovely, isn't it? Now, moving forward, I mean, do you think that there are some good jazz players in this era? There's good jazz players in every era. And jazz music is constantly changing. But the the early eras of, of jazz are still very popular. And many players from all over the world play in New, Orleans, in New Orleans jazz. And then the era that I grew up in it was the swing era with Benny Goodman and the big bands. And then after that, there was bebop with Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie and Thelonious Monk. And then there was the, the, the next era. We got kind of mixed up because rock and roll became good and everything. But there's always good young jazz musicians coming up, and I and I listen constantly because I I want to hear the the latest the the latest greatest genius in jazz. You know, no, the music will live forever because it's it's not only American music today; it's worldwide music. There's players in every country in the world that play jazz. Many of them have learned it by listening to the old records by Louis Armstrong, Charlie Parker, Sidney Bechet, Duke Ellington, so forth. So you know, it, it's 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 maybe the most important music of 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 the twenty twentieth century, and in the twenty first century, it's still going strong. Now you obviously continued the Sidney Bechet legacy. What would you like the Bob Wilbur legacy to be? I'd like people to listen to my me playing and and if they don't know too much about early jazz i would want to, them to listen to one of my great influences and my teacher sydney bechet because he he played in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s 50s he he died at the age of 59 which is very young i'm 87 years old and i'm still playing and uh all that music that came, nothing sounds dated. It's just as contemporary today as when he first played it. So listen to, and, and Louis Armstrong, Sidney Bechet and Louis Armstrong were childhood buddies in New Orleans. And they grew up as kids. And they turned out to be two of the greatest of the geniuses of early jazz. You're playing at Grappers? Yeah. Is that yeah. right? And I'm then going to be sitting in with the band, yeah. If they will have me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then moving on to Ned? Yeah, and oh. I was going to say, and wherever we're going to go afterwards is... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time, you know, you yeah. say, well, we'd, we'd hit this place, that place, and the right. other place. Do you know the thing that's very interesting is when we're in New York, we're fascinated by all the new places that are opening mm -hmm. and naming like Mesrose, there's a place oh, called really? Mesrose, really? And, and so on. So there's a lot of places for young musicians to play and to play the kind of music that swings. That's all we require is it's got to swing. You've got to be able to do that. 
It don't mean a thing. It don't mean a thing. And, <laughs> and the thing is, I think that, oh, you know, something else which is magical that's happened is that they're dancing. Young people are coming out and they're dancing. They're jitterbugging. They're jiving, whatever you want to call it. So they're into it. So now Vinnie Giordano's got this wonderful band in New York, an 11-piece band, and it plays twice a week, and they're playing. They just did the soundtrack. We, in fact, Bob used him on the Cotton Club, and he's gone from strength to strength with revolutionary blues or whatever, and he's done that boardwalk and all of these, and Bessie, some of the soundtrack for Bessie. But the point is, he's got a hot band that's playing 1920s and 30s Ellington and stuff, and kids are out there dancing and jitterbugging and so on. So I just think that it is definitely a good, lively scene, isn't it, Bob? And musicians are working. And they had a New York Jazz Festival now. It went on for like 23 hours. And there were sort of like five bands playing, at, you know, in different venues at the same time. It's a very healthy scene, healthier than it has been for a long time. You played with many jazz greats. You yourself are a jazz great. Is there anybody you would have liked to have played with that you didn't quite get to? I would have liked to have played with uh, Duke Ellington. I played on one occasion with Louis Armstrong on a plane as we were flying into France for a jazz festival. And all the musicians gathered in, in front of the plane while it was going down into the airport and we jammed together and and Lewis led us in the French national anthem with a swing with a swing with swing that's right you said that you're now in in your 13th century town it's chip chipping Camden yeah in chipping Camden in England that uh, you're you've been asked now to teach stage presentation um, when you get up on a stage how does it make you feel? Complete. I feel, I feel rounded and finished and ready to go. I feel ready to go. I feel like this is it. It's um, climactical. It's masse orgasmic. It is me being allowed to be me. I think that I feel that when I go on stage... Don't try and stop me, baby. I'm going to be me. That's the only time I am me, isn't it, Bobby? Really? I'm mostly me when I place that clarinet in my mouth and blow on it. But when I, I first started to play music, I knew I wanted to play an instrument. And the band director said, oh, wonderful. Uh, there was a marvelous jazz group in, in high school. And he said... Uh, what do you play, son? He says, well, I, I don't really play anything. He says, well, here, take this. Hand me a trumpet. Well, I took this trumpet, and nobody told me that you have to spit into a trumpet. You don't, you don't go, <sighs> nothing comes out. You go, <clears throat> so I, I spent the whole weekend blowing into the trumpet. <clears throat> Monday, I took the instrument back to the band director and said, sir, I'm sorry, there's something wrong with this instrument. <laughs> it doesn't work. And so, and then the next weekend I said, but I would love to play in the band. So then Friday he handed me a clarinet. So I took the clarinet home and I started playing and squeaking and squawking Friday afternoon, all of Saturday. By Sunday afternoon I could play Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Life. I said, the clarinet, that's for me. 
And then did you do it with a swing? Well, I've been trying to play Roll, Roll Your Boat ever since. (laughs) Ah, what a pleasure. Bob Wilbur, clarinetist, tenor sax player and band leader, and his partner, the vivacious singer, Pug Horton. That night, they did indeed head to Grappers and then on to Ned Kelly's Last Stand, where Pug sang and Bob played with Colin Aitchison and the China Coast Jasmine. I'll leave you with a bit of them playing Lady Be Good. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. (laughs) 